listeners, Eric Belts here. I want to thank you all for joining us on this journey through Elder Hollow. Before we get into this episode, I want to apologize for the audio quality. We had several technical issues getting this interview recorded with Will, and in the process, the microphone input got switched from our headset mics to the laptop mic. There are some points where it's hard to understand us, and I apologize for that. But I feel this interview session has some great insight and is well worth listening to. Thank you all for your patronage. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to All Roads Tavern, last call for Elder Hollows. I am your host once again, Eric Belts. We have with us today... Court. And Will. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Uh, this is take two of our last call Sorry. episode. Um, we had an unexpected computer error. 28 minutes of computer error. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very angry right now. He is. He is living. Oh, um, I'm going to actually face the computer. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I talked about when we first started this uh, this podcast one of the first couple episodes, probably the very first episodes, I talked about how I wanted part of this to be um, a, a, a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. Um, I want to be able to help people tell their own stories in uh, a gaming setting. Um, and one, but one way of doing that is going to be these last call sessions, where after a game or after a pivotal big moment of uh, another game, or anything, uh, we will do a last call, at which point um, we will ask the GM kind of their process uh, behind how they created this game, where they draw inspiration from, and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully we won't gloss over too much, as we've already stated some things, and so we'll try to remember what we have stated before and still try to expand upon that kind of stuff. Alright, as, as we get started, we, we talked about earlier we talked about the factions in elder hollow inspiration for elder hollow and media relating to elder hollow yeah so let's go over that now well the the first thing we talked about was the the genesis right yes right the genesis we'll talk about that will all right again yeah (laughs) so the uh the genesis the the origin where this concept came from the game kind of began when uh, we were sort of starting to run out of uh, we were kind of running uh, tight on the number of back episodes for uh, the Void Ocean, and Eric approached me uh, to run uh, sort of a short filler game in Fate. Mostly, he wanted—he really was curious about it, wanted to try it out. And I had just uh, my other group had just ended a Dresden Alliance game, which is powered by Fate, and uh, I was sad that it ended prematurely, and was really excited to do it. So I started. Throwing out ideas and said, eh, I can do it. something conventional like fantasy. And said, we should do something. But everyone seemed to want to do something different, not your Dungeons and Dragons style thing. And I was spitballing ideas and said uh, to Eric, hey, uh, for example, we could do a game about kids overcoming a harrowing adventure. And he really grappled for all of that. And I thought more about it and I said, hey, Goonies meets Lovecraft in horrors. <laughs> that sounds great. I'll do that. Uh, and it grew from there. And uh, as uh, life events 
conspired to uh, create the uh, make the uh, make Elder Halls happen. Yeah, well, yeah, the the pause in uh, uh, the hiatus. Yes, that was what I was looking for. The hiatus on uh, uh, Void Ocean. Um, uh, Nate, as you guys know, Nate had a, Nate's Nate's wife had a baby, so he's uh, been doing that all summer. And another member um, had, had to tackle on two jobs for that period of time, so they didn't have time. So it fell to uh, me to uh, add a bit more content to that. And so it out of grew the and it grew more. The initially planned three episodes. Yeah, yeah, it was initially planned to be like yeah, three episodes short. And now we're at twenty nine ish. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I almost almost timed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, so. <laughs> um, it's actually, I think we're even more than double the episodes of Void Ocean that we have out right now. Um, that that just shows you how big of a hiatus has occurred. Uh, we do have a couple of, uh, we have two new Void Ocean sitting on the, on the, in the cans right now. Um, that after this episode, we will get back into and hopefully be able to sustain that again. But anyways, hopefully, yes. Um, so then, the, the next topic then is, um, as we were playing this, it became pretty clear that there were several different factions in play here. Um, there was, of course, the Junior Bluff Lookout faction, the, the player faction, um, but there was, I have found, uh, there was the Owl in uh, Dark Heaven, uh, there was Rhonda, the Big Floating Brain, uh, with the Agents, um, there was the King of the Forest, um, there was the cult um, that Gary's dad was a part of. There was Madame Hollow Star and her people. And one of the things I loved about how you ran this was, was that throughout most of the game, I didn't, as a player, I didn't really know who were the good guys and who were the bad guys. And I loved trying to figure this out. And I loved the fact that I had Nessie who was just like, oh, well, these people are totally the good guys because they're cool and things like that. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to know what these factions were about, what their intentions were, and anything that you're willing to expunge upon us. The, so the different factions, and that and I'm, that, that worked out really well. My intention was for them to all be unclear, like their intentions. Yeah. Uh, that's thematic, because kids don't really know how adults think. The world's way more complicated than kids think. Yeah. Uh, kids think in black and white, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything has uh, objective truths, as it were. Uh, but the real world is so much more complicated. Uh, yeah, like the, the main factions were the, the, the evil spirits, elder gods, what have you, in the forest. They're sort of my Lovecraft in me. Uh, I looked a lot at Lovecraft to, for inspiration, uh, and uh, I, I thought for a moment about just using them, but I thought uh, the, the games that I listened to, I really they make up their own style. Uh, so I wanted to uh, use it as inspiration and sort of create my own things. Uh, and uh, so the King of the Forest and the guy with all the owls, Mr. Owl and Dr. Kevin, they're all part of the same faction, but it's a faction. They're kind of chaos. Yeah. They don't all get along. They're like uh, the, the description that uh, Coop, D.D. Cooper had for them. They're like a really toxic family. Uh, if they, 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 they don't, you know, destroy each other out of some sort of form of love, but they're not capable <laughs> They're alien, and they wouldn't feel the same way as humans do. Yeah. Um, Actually, you bring up Cooper. 
He was the actually like the only question I had about forgiveness. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so there was that uh, faction and that camp. The chaotic faction. Then there is the the government faction, the uh, the men in black, basically. Uh, Rhonda works with them, uh, and they, they know a lot more what's going on, but they're they're kind of chasing some of the wrong leads. Uh, but they they're all about suppression of the. Supernatural forces. Rhonda has a brain alien who can steal people's memories and suppress them. Uh, is fits right in with them. Um, I won't go into their exact like intentions because I rather you know, you, you yeah. place them in. Your, I had mine, but me explaining them. Like, yeah, doing huh. some of the mysteries. Telling your own story is always more interesting. Yeah. Are you willing to tell us if Rhonda is actually dead? Rhonda is not. Okay. I, I can tell you. Rhonda is not. Dead. She, um, she got sort of taken down a notch. Yeah. She's not dead. Uh, she might be a problem later on. She yeah, has she has to re-coagulate. Yeah, she does. Um, uh, and then there is... You know uh, how it is with elder god brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always re-coagulating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Silly billies. Uh, well, I can say she is not an elder god. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, she's not part of the forest, though. Whoa. She's from somewhere else. Oh, snap. A, yeah. a human experiment gone awry. Maybe. Uh, uh, Roswell. It's Roswell. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and then there was uh, the cult. The cult obviously served um, and sought to appease and vacate the elder gods. They really didn't know what they were doing. Uh, Dr. Hart. What was their name again? Uh, the Universal Life Church. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, or also the church group. Um, my inspiration was for them was like they were a really weird, like a combination of a UFO cult and Mormons. They they <laughs> began as a Mormon Mormon settlers. Right. Mormons settled in Oregon, uh, even in that area actually. And I thought would be, and they're kind of obsessed with fertility in the cult. Okay. That's what they try to get out of. In these reality things. or in your game? In game. Okay. Well, this group doesn't exist. In Oh, they okay. I thought you were drawing on reality for that. Yeah. Okay, no. Okay. I mean, I good I, to know. I, I read a lot of about a lot of different um, UFO groups. We did. Uh, we did. I didn't. Um, we did talk before the recording crashed. Yeah. <laughs> we did talk about the difference of your inspiration drawn from history versus yeah. 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 versus just making shit up. Yeah. Um, this is a lot of um, what what a lot of GMs do is you look at the things that you love. And you try to make stuff based off of that. Um, like he was saying, he's, he's drawn expression from the Goonies, other 80s movies, uh, from Lovecraftian stuff. He's drawn inspiration from uh, uh, Over the Garden Wall. Um, you just draw inspiration from the things that you love, and you try to create something off of them. Yeah, uh, Will, if you were going to make a reading list for creating an Elder Hollows game, <laughs> just name five things. Five things. Not even reading, just... Five things you would reference. Five pieces of meat. Uh, that are not D and D. Yeah, yeah. No, I would say you have to read uh, stories to tell in the dark. Okay. Uh, scary stories to tell. Scary in the dark. stories to tell in the dark. Read all of them. The original the, versions. The original uh, versions. Yeah, not the illustrated by oh. Stephen Gamble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can find the libraries. Like yeah. The, yeah. Everyone hated the new version. They did back then. Good. 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 Uh, it's um yeah it's like one of the best <laughs> books and it came out when we were kids yeah in the 90s 
I don't know why my parents um, bought that. That was it's an amazing book. Strange, strange yeah. purchase. It's an amazing, amazing book, and it's actually like a, a great book because it's a book for kids that don't read books. Yeah. If you have a kid that doesn't read books, buy this book. Illustrations parents, that will actually give them nightmares. <laughs> buy the book. I mean, there's something really like because they're short stories. Mm -hmm. Open. Yeah. They occupy a page or two. But no, that's a that that number one is right there because I actually read that. In yeah. Reading that is where I got kind of the synthesis, the juices thinking for the squeeze monster. Mm. Uh, that and the vague. So everything beyond the initial campaign, basically. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that. And then um, I recommend reading uh, various creepypastas where you can find them. Uh, creepypasta, the creepypasta wiki is a great place to start. Before the recording crashed, you mentioned r slash. Yes, r slash um, no sleep. Uh, that is a the no sleep Reddit. Yes, it is a Reddit a subreddit dedicated to first person scary stories, first person narratives, narratives that are all creepy and weird. And it, it, their their intention is to basically be a scary story and tell people around the fire. But they're always told, almost always told in first person, as if the person is tell, giving a tell all story. Yeah, telling like it's real. Uh, and okay. and on the comment section, a lot of people. Will ask questions and react to it as if this is real. Is there is there one story in particular you can think of that everyone just picked as Google? Um, pen pal. Pen pal. Pen pal. It's just one of the scariest things ever. So if like typed in like pen pal creepypasta, that would. Or pen pal no sleep. Pen pal no sleep. All or right. So Google. Pal, or Google pen that. pal three thousand vultures. That's the author. Okay. So try that. See if you can Google it. Yeah, it's let a six it, part story. Let us know. And <laughs> Unsettle you. Did, did I ever send you that train station story? I can't remember if I sent you that to you. You did not. Okay, I gotta find that again. Yeah. Send that to you. Uh, I thought that one was really good. So there's that. Um, I would it kind of include look up Ted the Caver. Ted the Ted oh, the Caver. Yeah, you're talking about that. Read Ted the Caver, period. Yeah, Terrell, Actually, that's, Terrell, that's, that's, that too. Yeah, that is a other inspiration for this All right. That, the Ted the Caver is the scariest thing I've ever read. So um, we could probably label that as like two things. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say House of Leaves. I haven't finished it. It's a really crazy, crazy book, uh, but give it a try. I recommend it. It's very okay. unsettling. Um, One more thing. Uh, I can think, I'm trying to think. Oh, that's all books. I'm trying to think of another book. Oh yeah, it would um, be a good movie. That is strange that there aren't like there's not an immediate movie that you could think of that involves the Cthulhu mythos yeah, properly. Yeah. Not properly. Um, I mean, there's plenty of horror movies that are like, oh, it's a virus, or oh, it's zombies. Oh, oh, I remember. There's a TV show, True Detective. Oh. It's not, it is, I consider it horror. A lot of people like will say it's not horror. It's okay. a horror movie. It's a horror show. All right. It is about the horror that humanity inflicts on us. And there are so many elements, it's a crime story, but there's so many elements that are horror, and it references horror fiction in it. And it deals with themes of pessimism and nihilism fatalism that you can't not do. Alright. So watch that show. It's from HBO. It's so it's hard to get. You have an HBO I, I would also feel that um for Elder Hollow stories, um I can't remember if this was before or after the crash, um where, where we told everyone anything that we put out there is free for use. Yes, that was uh that was the crash. That was before the crash. <laughs> that was okay. before the crash. Um the only things that, that I Say don't use our our music and the obvious sound effects, the children laughing, 
school bell that that stuff i bought the rights to off of pond5.com um so i believe if you took that you have podcast, you have a license to use yeah it. If, you, uh, if, if somebody out there took so, that and used so, it for themselves that would that be would wrong. technically break the pond five agreement yeah. they would be in trouble for doing that. yeah um, but anything else our characters our stories our worlds do what you have, whatever you want with it. We would love to get any type of um, fan fiction or fan art or anything from you guys. It, it is so awesome. officially creative comics. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, feel free to do any of that with our stuff. Write a creepypasta. <laughs> totally. And now we forgot what we were just talking about. Before. Uh, we were talking about inspirations, but yeah, we are okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. One thing that I. Think is very integral to the Elder Hollows universe is the fact that it's in the 1980s. Yeah, it really, really. I, I feel yeah. that is incredibly integral because it, it's it, it's that point where uh, modern society is there enough that I'm pretty sure even millennials can relate to life in the 80s. But at the same time, it's before technology and information really became a fluid. And dynamic thing in the world yeah um so it's this really nice balance of not having technology to lean on for everything but we can still understand the motives and intentions behind people in that era yeah uh horror games are kind of uh you have to really think about them differently if you set up very modern times because everything's got cell phones and there is the information technology where uh Basically, like a lore check could be like, I go on my computer and I Google this. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, okay, you're tag, you're tagging the aspect Google. Great. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Uh, things like that. So, and that that for other like horror games, that that's been a, a nice involved. Uh, a friend of mine, or my my friends that I I, I stayed with on Sunday, they had a friend visit at Cthulhu game, and my wife, who is homemade, she's like a way better player than she than she is in fact than she is. Uh and oh she was she was brilliant. No one thought to do this, but she's like, I have a cell phone. I'm gonna look this up on my cell phone. And I'm gonna Google and you know and I'm gonna get the information back. And I'll and and she didn't have to do a research role or an investigate role to do stuff. She like basically skipped like a whole section of the plot because <laughs> the GM had not thought about Modern times, cell phone. I can do the research. He was thinking on the model of the 1920s, the classical 1920s version of Call of Duty. So, where that's the setting. Right, right. right. So, uh, yeah, you got to think about those things. Players are really good at that throwing a curveball that you never thought would come. But it, like once they throw it at you, you're like, oh man, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think about that? Rule 21. Yeah. I call it. You can think of 20 ways something will happen. Well, yeah, actually, how like, uh, like how how did you react to each character that was built for the game? Um, so like, so like when Nessie was first spawned, yeah, you were like at first you were like, oh yeah, but then how did that change from what you thought? <laughs> yeah, it was gonna be. Um, let's see, uh, Nessie like like gelled perfectly because she was like the perfect person to like go into all the dangerous situations. Um, she just had that aspect that she afraid um, that, you know, like I could basically produce copies things and like even have kids that like even have a robot who's sensible and a kid that's nervous, <laughs> that would pull them into it. 
because uh, like you gotta stay with the group, stay with the group, yeah, um, kind of thing. And, I, and and so she was a great foil for a lot of things uh, early on. <laughs> early on, she was fantastic. And then there was like a middle point that like a mid later midpoint. I was like, oh, scooby <laughs> <laughs> um, So it was at first great enthusiasm and joy, mm-hmm. and thematically, a lot of the campaign started to center around her search for fear, yeah. uh, for learning what to, to be afraid of things, and um, it, like, it, as a metaphor for growing up. Yeah. Like, kids, kids are, I mean, a lot of this kids is, like, scared, but a lot of kids are, don't understand, like, all the things that are out there. This is actually, it's kind of interesting, like, I'm glad we started with Nessie, because a lot of the games that I end up playing with, with you guys and other groups can, I like, there ends up being a main character yes. in them. Um, and it's never explicitly stated or for any reason made that way. It just happens naturally. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it depends on, on who's playing the most defined character, mm-hmm. I think. And Eric really stole the show in that department, I think, <laughs> yeah. with Nessie and the, that, that voice <laughs> right off yeah, the bat. That voice. But then it's, it's interesting how... Uh, like even in other games I listen to, there's kind of main characters. Yeah. In them. Yeah. And I don't think you can start out a game thinking about someone being a main character. It has no. to evolve naturally. It has to evolve naturally. Yeah. But not necessarily. Not I mean, not necessarily. Yeah. And, and this definitely evolved very naturally. But yeah. it depends on the group. Yeah. And I think DMs in the future should think more about that and how that works in their group and and then and decide in their own minds. They don't have to say it out loud or, or tell the person or whatever that they're the main character and that everything's yeah. revolving around them because that might put a little bit of pressure on them yeah. and they might stop role-playing properly. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not something I hear a lot about yeah. ever. Yeah. And it is actually a huge thing that comes up all the time in the games I play, mm-hmm. and especially with our groups. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, it, it, it tends to happen a lot. Like all the APs that I listen to, like all the best ones, is usually like you know one or two core characters that just steal the show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, and, uh, and and but it's it seems so natural. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. Like in, in this, I, I I was really glad this was the case. Another character that I had to adapt to. Um, I, I, I want to say though, um, oh, yeah. I loved the story arc with Nessie uh, so much because we started off with the "I'm too stupid to be afraid" aspect, mm-hmm. and that really defined her for me. Mm-hmm. Was just I have this little girl who is not afraid of anything. She will do anything as long as it's to help her friends and to be adventurous. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I love that aspect. But then as we're playing it. We, we had the moment where uh, we had the moment um, where unfortunately I had a little too much to drink, um, and Nessie did some things that I didn't expect her to do. Um, and if you look back um, several episodes, um, I talked about it a little bit at the very beginning of the episode, uh, where I had to kind of define why she did that. I had to come up with a reason of why it happened that way because it was part of the story. And so I had decided that she's angry at all the adults, ignoring all the stuff and telling her that she has to be afraid and everything. And so that, that became it. But then 
as the story kept going, you you destroyed her faith in the Dark Heaven. Um, she suddenly hit Rhonda, who she realized was Rhonda, and felt terrible about that. And then she, she's having all these emotional conflicts that she never had to deal with before in her entire life. And then um, I have to thank uh, Court with Alan, um, because yep. in that final bit there, standing in the circle, or the, the triangle, with Kevin, and Alan saying, Nessie, you have to say goodbye to Kevin. That really hit me right there, and realized she does have something to be afraid of, and that's the loss of a friend. And because you made it obvious, totally obvious, that he was going away forever. He was split in half at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, because you made that so perfectly clear for her, she finally actually had that point where she realized the truth of the situation that they were in. And she could because I was really like, no, you're not gonna make her you're not gonna make her actually fear anything. She's way too gung-ho about everything. And then at that point in the game, I'm like, this is her point. This is actually the point for her to be afraid. This is when her aspects change. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, exactly. Because we like we kept playing, like she would have a new aspect. Oh yeah, she she would be a new she is this is a life defining yeah. moment for her. She will never be the same happy-go-lucky kid. She'll, she's going to carry some of that. She's still going to be a, a, a positive type of person, mm -hmm. but she's going to be more realistic about the world around her. Yeah. And um, even though part of that realistic of the world around her is that psychic stuff in this. Yeah, I, I just I loved that story arc. And um, for me personally, a character story arc is the biggest reason for me to play a game. Um, I always like to make characters who are one way and have them evolve as the story goes. And I love that moment when that kind of stuff happens. It's the, I mean, it's the center point, it's the centerpiece of fiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have someone who starts somewhere and by the end they're changed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amusingly, I just watched a movie Jurassic World, <laughs> where, where that, that doesn't happen. Where that doesn't happen at all. Right, <laughs> right. That's the main problem with that movie. Well, they, they kind of said it happened with well, the park lady. I, I, I really like. No, I, no, I, I liked the ending because I realized at the end of that movie that that, that the characters hadn't changed at all, and I'm like, wow, that relationship's gonna fall apart pretty quick. Um, oh, I, I, I oh that's, say, gonna, that's gonna burn. That's gonna. I would say the burn. older brother did have a bit of. Yeah, no, the, the older brother had a fine character. He, he went from being the angsty teenager to I uh, care about my family. I care about my well, my little brother specifically. Yeah, little brother. I think so. I think he cared about everything. But it, it, he went from the angsty teen to having emotions again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, but uh, yeah, that was probably the strongest character arc in that terrible movie. Yeah. Which is sad. Um, uh, besides the Raptors character. Yeah, oh, the Raptors. Yeah, the Raptors. Raptors. Yeah. Yeah. They had the biggest character arc ever. They're like, oh. <laughs> they, had, they had two character arcs. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, oh, spoilers? <laughs> they had more emotions than Chris Pratt had. Uh, have you seen that interview with him? Yeah, it's a fantastic. Wait, with his three faces. Let's stop. Let's stop. Get out. Let's yeah. Get out of the, yeah. this tangent okay. I created. Um, so, so yeah. Who, who was the 
next pair. Uh, really the next really big. Stuff. I mean, I really like. Um, uh, I guess the next pair I'll talk about is quartz. Okay. So <laughs> my goddamn when, robot. <laughs> when, Cort, when we were making characters for this, and Court was like saying, "I want to be a robot," I'm like, "This is you know an '80s kid adventure thing." I don't think you get the point. But he was so stuck on it, and he was so he was so gosh darn excited about it. And I hate when a player is not excited about a game. And he was kind of stuck uh, on character ideas, and I didn't want him to have a subpar thing. And I thought about it, and I was like, wait a second. There are weird aliens and things in, in kids' fiction, uh, like a book that has haunted me, weirdly, because it's not that scary, uh, my whole life. Uh, aliens ate my homework. <laughs> have aliens in it, friendly and bad. Right. Animorphs. They meet an alien and gives them superpowers. So, um, are you afraid of them? The dark. That was probably that. I think that was another oh, huge inspiration. Oh yes, for that us. was the last. Yes, that ah. was Thank you. Are you afraid of the dark? The Nickelodeon show. That was a pretty good show. Yeah, yeah. great show. Um, but yeah, so and that, so I was like, all right, I will work in Alien Robot. And actually, like he in in background, like you get, there's a lot in the background of this universe. There's a lot going on with. The robots, yeah, and, and, and aliens that doesn't even doesn't didn't even come into play. No, which like, I didn't plan on coming. Into yeah, play, no, like that's why, why that's why Alan is a background character, mm-hmm. and why Nessie became the main character. Yes, because Alan's stuff never got resolved at the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, like he's still searching now. Yeah, like on got, his own. Yeah, he's still got um, lots of amnesia to deal and with things like that. <laughs> um, um, it made well, me well, close when he thinks. Oh, he a small bit with uh, was what, what was it? Dark, Dark Kevin who called him Beta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was—I don't know if that was actually the alpha from his dream. No, no, he was just calling him that because okay. he knew. So, 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 so he's aware of him. So those two other robots from his dream actually were never really in the story besides the dream, or is that something you're? Yeah, not they to were. Say? Yeah, they were only in, in that. Those dreams were flashbacks. Yeah. Anyway, um, That's what I interpreted them. Yeah, yeah, they were not. They were not elsewhere. In, in the okay. So, um, they were. They were. Uh, it's what you might. It's they were world dressing. They were things to create a like a, a sense. A of, hook. Yeah, a, a hook. A way to a, a, a means by which to create a, a larger sense of the universe. Yeah. That there is. It sort of said. It was a nice subtle way of saying there is a cosmic. There are cosmic forces, even bigger than we know. That are going on here. Yeah. Well, even bigger than this weird alien robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, but that—that that was one thing and, that I liked. Is, and, is, um, I was wondering up until just this moment, I was wondering about if that if that uh, dark heaven actually had anything to do with that. No. And um, in in the episode where Nessie went off and smacked Rhonda mm-hmm. and then discovered that it was Rhonda, I'd actually written a note and passed it over yes. to Will asking if that was the female robot. From the flashback, because I'm like, oh my god, what if it wasn't? He's like, no. It's like, oh my god, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, when creating a mystery, uh, I've actually found when a player asks a question and it's wrong, and you say nope, like that's the best reaction. <laughs> it's the best, and they and they like go, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, unlike Nate's reaction, where he. Pegged it right away. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Nate, Nate. 
Nate picked up on all the cues. Uh, good job, Nate. Uh, um, 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 that Rhonda, that Rhonda was uh, the, the brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I mean, that was a minor thing. But yeah, no. Um, so I mean, and, and I, I guess actually the brain aliens wouldn't have existed actually if it were not for Alan. Because <laughs> um, I was like, I need to, I need to have some kind of other alien force. And so you know, she's another example of the larger world setting being evolved from characters. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, I like the second Frozen Child. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. It was a nice. I actually I had an I I had some ideas that you know never got to play out because the game ended. Yeah. <laughs> but I figured like eventually we would investigate that and that would be the 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 other the the robot friend of Alan from the ship maybe because maybe Alan woke up just ten years ago. There's no reason why. Yeah, it's actually a yeah. possibility. Yeah, no, I thought that would. I thought that's what I. That's yeah, immediately I hadn't developed, what I thought. I hadn't developed her, but like, no, yeah. it, you know, that, that story is mostly what I developed for her. And then um, uh, Max, Max was like, like sort of like he, Terrell's character of Max helped me get inside the the era, the '80s, <laughs> inside it, it, Oregon it, and that area. And Matt, like Terrell actually lived in. Board game as a kid, so this was a lot of big nostalgia trip for him, and so he was always like, "Hey, here's this thing. Here's this thing about yeah. that area." Well, um, and, Terrell also and, and his character just embodied the '80s so well. Um, Terrell is a little bit older than us. We were born in the midst of the '80s. Mm -hmm. Well, he was born I, at the beginning, right? Before yeah, the beginning. So he experienced the '80s um, a little bit better than us. Mm -hmm. um, I was 84, of course, 84, I'm not sure. I'm 84. You're 84, okay. Damn. So yeah, we're, we're not, we, we have reminiscence of the 80s, but he has a lot more of a solid grasp of it. And Terrell, um, I, I don't know if you've noticed, um, he has his laptop in front of him um, when we get in, and he is constantly researching everything that we did. Um, whenever somebody mentions anything, he's immediately, he's searching for it already. Or even anyone else yeah. would even think of doing that. And like, he's actually like the best person to do that. I'm actually, yeah. I'm super. Yeah, he's, he's, the he's one of the few. Like, actually, most everyone yeah. here are the only people I'm, I would play with that have their laptops open. I'm amazingly impressed how well he multitasks. Yeah, yeah, he's whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how he does. I don't know how he does it. Because it's funny. Because like, I, I many times with Terrell, I've, I've went to look something up. Yeah, and then. As I'm picking up the thing, like my iPad here, I picked it up and started opening it, and he's like, blah, da, 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 da. I'm like, well, that's exactly what I was about to do. <laughs> okay. But, uh, wow. Yeah. How did you even... I didn't know the internet went that fast. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is constantly researching things all the time while we are especially with this, mm -hmm. because there was actual research material. Um, for the Void Ocean, um, he doesn't do a whole lot based off of well, that. But he researches what he can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but like you guys say, it's amazing. Most people, when they have their laptop out and they're doing stuff, they get distracted. and They go, okay, so it's your turn. And they go, oh, what? What's going on? But yeah. He's able to keep on. That is really one of the most frustrating things. Stone. Oh, God. <laughs> well, oh, my God. I can only imagine how terrible. You know who you are. <laughs> I know you listen to this. <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> it's a good thing you haven't 
played in the game I'm GMing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I think when I GM, bit, that's woo. going off. I think it's a little bit harder on Terrell. Um, uh, we game with him on Mondays usually, yeah. and um, he was running the game, and I think that was a little bit harder for him to in multitasking than that. Mm. I think he got a little distracted sometimes by by going into a research loop cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, now that I'm DMing up uh, with his group, I think he's getting into it a lot better than he was before as a GM. Um, I think he is a good GM. I think he has some stuff to learn. Um, and I know that you're listening to this, Carol, right now. Um, Are you? Yeah, he is. Are he? He, 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 he is a very good listener, a listener of this. Um, so he's listening to this uh. probably while making something that works out. But I, I think there are, I think there is a lot of stuff. Not not a lot. Of stuff. There's some stuff he can improve upon, and that's one thing that I'm happy that he's doing this podcast with us and that I'm running again for his group is because I really want him to learn because I think he has some really good ideas. Yeah, I want to play in a game that he's running someday. Um, he, he has, I think he has some really good ideas. I think he I actually has, think he would do a lot better running than us. Oh, yeah, of course. I think so, too. Well, we have a very solid group here, which yeah. is the only reason. Yeah. I built this group because I'm like, I know these people. I know they're good at what they do, mm-hmm. um, except for Isaiah. But. <laughs> he is a diamond rock. Yeah, he really was. Um, uh, he, he had been talking with me at work. Isaiah had, um, well, Isaiah, Terrell, and myself, we all work at the same place, but Isaiah had been talking with me, and Terrell got him into listening to the Void Empty. And so he had gotten talking to me, and he was like, oh, this is so cool, that sounds so fun. Um, and then, and at one point, he had talked about how he, um, I think I asked him, hey, if money wasn't an option at all, and you could just do whatever you wanted, what would you be doing? And told me that he would have his own theater. And he would like like stage theater, and oh. he would do like improv stuff. Oh, cool. And I'm like improv. That's exactly what the podcast is, basically. Yeah, that's what role playing is. It's, yeah. it's improv stuff. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, huh? That's interesting. And I'm like, you know what? We have a small group with the, with the Elder Hollows crew right now. Why don't you come and do it? Be be a pyromaniac voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was great. Like I, I know. Like, uh, both adding, like, Nate and Isaiah in was, like, it was something I was trepidatious about, but I'm glad I did. It made the game better. I'm always trepidatious about adding a character mid-level because it can just wreck things. It can really, it can confuse things. Yeah, I was in a game, at the Dresden game, uh, like, we added someone in the middle, uh, like, later on after the game had been done. Uh, and this character, I mean, obviously, like, it, the character you end up making mechanically uh, was like another player, and, pers- and and thematically was like my character, and it really, like, that part, because I made a punk rock kind of, I made a punk rock investigation uh, with psychic powers, you could, like, read the history of it. Um, and then a friend who was like a, he turned into a wolf and he was like, the, he was the king. And he just ripped things apart. And he basically made it, and then he made a tank that was a punk rocker. And like, completely like, you know, 
put the wind out of my sails mm. and out of my friend, my uh, the other player's sails, and he actually like abandoned that character oh. to play something else. Yeah, that, that can happen. And that was, I mean, and the reason he did that was that it wasn't this wasn't a wrong to play his character anymore. Yeah. Um. So in that situation, and there's other reasons. Yeah, that, that was definitely a good thing that we had yeah. with this group was that our characters were so different. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I like the stuff with the, the shenanigans that Isaiah came up with. Skippy <laughs> were fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like how, how did Skippy change the universe? Change the universe. Uh, I've been thinking about the owls before, um, and I didn't have like a way. I I, I felt like I, I should have been. I thought about them. Oh man, I should be should have been integrating them. Having these owls be showing up uh, since the beginning, but didn't. And then I was like, wait a second, Skippy's the perfect way for me to introduce that. And he got me focused a lot more on the owl guy and what he was. And so, like, he was a good driver for that. Um, a lot like Max, like, helped me cement the world and like the funny eighties things. And even like, since he has like some. This character has some like, weirdness background that that sort of spawned the cult idea and Dr. Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, they're a great addition. And uh, Gary, I was like, well, that's a way for me to define the cult a little bit more. Yeah. Without like going into too much detail. Yeah, I did like that how um, the man in the yellow coat then became an actual person. Mm-hmm. person yeah, Instead of a monster like all these yeah. other things we were fighting. He was. A literal person. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that that kind of gets to like a theme that I want to explore in, or that I like exploring in the genre of horror and like run more horror games. I tend to explore that the real, like, the real horror is human. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, and that's in all the games that like I listen to. That's the stuff. Like the really, like the the most horror you get is like the tension of what is going to happen. People, yeah, and the that and the unknown. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we've talked a little bit about the factions and the characters now. Um, Court, you you had said you wanted to ask something about Dean Cooper. Oh yeah, well, I I was actually kind of confused. Who's that guy? Uh, yeah, Dean Cooper was a. Uh, you don't know who Dean Cooper is. No. Oh. Yeah, Dean Cooper was this guy. Uh, I think I can't remember. He was in the seventies. Can't remember what year. Um, who in a fight, and then he held a hostage saying he had a bomb. Right. And he uh, basically held a hostage for a ransom. And he got his ransom, and then the plane took off again. And he then he actually like had a, uh, a parachute with him. And he, he has all this money. He packs it into like a pack on him, and he dove, uh, he's like, yeah, over a million dollars. Nineteen seventy one. Nineteen seventy one. Okay, nineteen seventy one. Right. Um, oh, so so this came up before in a game at some point, right? No, this is real history. No, no, no. I mean, oh. we talked about. It. Oh yeah, yeah I, I believe we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think I vaguely remember mentioning the ninety nine percent visible episode about plane hijacking, which yeah. everyone should listen to. Yeah. Why aren't you listening to it right now? Because they're listening to us. No, it, it's not as good as this. I mean, that that is this isn't as good as that. Aww. Sorry. It's just we have a ways to go. <laughs> um, but uh, the so basically he skydived off this plane with all this money and disappeared. 
uh, people think they found some of the money that burned up somewhere. Uh, but it wasn't anywhere near the whole amount of money. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's like a guy who said, I was him. Well, we don't know. <laughs> we, it, it's kind of, it's a myth. It's an interesting mystery of the modern era. And I thought like, well, we don't really know who he is. It's like, it's, and this happened in the Pacific Northwest. All right. Uh, technically more around like Washington, sort of on the border of Washington and Portland. And they think they found stuff in Washington state. But I was like, what if, what if this is a guy in Elder Hollow and somebody found his money in Right. Uh, and so that, I, I, I thought that would be an interesting way of tying like this bit of Americana. So that, that's, that's actual history that we, Repurposed into the game. Yes, it's actually yeah. history. Um, now, I, did we talk about the Native Americans? Not in this one. No, oh yeah, yeah. Before the recording crashed, yeah. we talked a lot about them when it crashed. But, but yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned like there was what Indian tribe lived. There was this tribe called the Multnomah. They're one of the. And um, pretty much the only thing you took from them was their the, name. They, the, their name. The name. And they died off of a disease in 1830s. Okay, and the fact that they were in this yeah, and they, yeah, and they had in this general area, they All had right. like a place, right, right by there, um, and I thought like, well, it, you know, I I didn't want to like whole cloth like take a uh, an existing tribe and add stories to them. I thought, what if there was, you know, I thought a tribe that died off mysteriously was was a perfect place to put some lore in there, and that's where about Holocaust people come, and they. Uh, yeah, so the real tribe was wiped out by disease, and the idea in this world, in, in my in my game's history, that when they died off and the settlers came, that tribe had been, that people had been keeping this darkness at bay. They had created basically a, a spiritual dam that held it. And when they died out from disease, there was nobody left um, really to keep it, keep it safe. And then settlers moved in, and the, the, the dam began to leak and uh, start leaking into the, the, the lives of, and particularly that's where the, the Mormon missionaries came from. Okay. Mormon missionaries settled in the, the area because none of the other tribes wanted to go there. It's like, hey, that place is haunted. Don't go there. And, and from that, the, and that's how, like, the, over time, it's eventually how the cult were in the area. What you said, um, Battle Hollow starts people formed the smoking lodge. Yeah, yeah. So they, there was a faction that they, like the, the the shamans and warriors who kept the place safe was called. I, I made up a thing called the, the Smoking Lodge. They're like they're the defenders of the, of the light. They're sort of like the, the the last like a tiny. Their faction is much smaller, and like she's like the last of her line uh, from the moment. Her family was part of another Native American people. Well, so but she's like the last, and it's always passed to the maternal to, to the daughter, and she's been keeping that going, or um, that that line has been keeping it going, and recruiting people that she can that they can trust with keeping it at bay. They can't they can't plug it. Yeah. They can keep it from turning from you know a leak to a flood. Yeah, it's a this it's a it's a concept sort of inspired by uh, Twin Peaks with the. Black Lodge and White Lodge, hmm. a force of a spiritual force of darkness that seems more present, and a spiritual force of good that is that seems almost non-existent but is there. Hmm. So Twin Peaks, another yeah. reference material. Yeah, another reference. <laughs> material there. But yeah, this is more like a 
there are other members of the smoking lodge, but they all, you know, meet in, in secret and, you know, like a characters, if they stayed around in other colors, they'd probably be recruited to the smoking lodge. So how far do you plan ahead? I know, for, for me, I kind of come up with, okay, this is where I want the game to eventually get to, and then I look at, okay, what's going to happen in the next session, and that's about all the more I really plan. I plan a little bit more than that. But not very much. It depends on where we work. Um, like, it was at first like, what's the immediate thing? What's an interesting thing to do? Uh, and I had an ending. I had, the ending was pretty much there from the beginning. Okay. Uh, yes, I know. Um, but that's why the trigger warning. Yes. So, that, that part, and it was at first like, a little bit like, like after the first session that we played, uh, we made characters and did the schoolyard brawl. Yeah. Uh, I basically made the the whole. I came up with the idea of the whole uh, hospital sequence, and like that was sort of like the big beginning of a lot of my lore design. And pretty much that whole that whole sequence. But um, the, so you're kind of like me. Yeah. You know, at well, first, it was kind of like that. Okay. And then I came up with like the side adventure. The whole cloth, which was the, the squeeze story, yeah. uh, one of my favorite parts. And then after that, I was like, uh, the, the, the middle part, I was sort of struggling. I sort of came up with, I know, like, from the point of like, I mean, they were, you guys were starting the Thursday day of the game, the third day of that, of that, of that game, in this timeline. I pretty much had that from that point to the end. Okay. Most extended? It would take that long, but it, it ended up, uh, you know. Took, Best laid plans of my cement. Took two and two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but even longer because I had from the right. beginning of that Thursday day to the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that what the whole game lasted how many days? They takes a span of five days. Yeah, five days. Wow. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Twenty-eight weeks for five days. Yeah. <laughs> We're making excellent time in game time. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Super uh, weeks. Yeah. Super weeks. Uh, or super minutes. Yeah, super minutes more than <laughs> um, accurate, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it started off, a I'm a lot like that. Um, I, I, I felt more successful as a GM, and I learned about me, this, uh, about me from this. I, I felt more successful as a GM having like, a more thought out plan for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, so the latter half felt a lot more coherent to me, and less frenetic, though you kept throwing, you guys kept throwing some curveballs at me. I had what was the biggest wrench that we threw here? The biggest wrench was you leaving the house. <laughs> <laughs> leaving Max's house. Yeah, like that, because that was the moment I was like, oh, oh. Shit. I don't got a plan for this. I I don't know what I'm gonna do if this happens. I told I literally like oh gosh. I I was like making everything so clear that it's such a bad idea to leave. I thought you would you know <laughs> even would, Nessie, like, would, even Nessie it. would get it. I was like oh god no. I didn't consider the stupid part of the aspect. And then and it just. Oh, no. It was like, oh god, this is going so well. Basically, that was the point. Yeah. I, it worked out, but I was really scared and panicked. <laughs> and then you guys kind of did it to me again uh, towards the end, when you guys were suddenly super careful with, with following the road. 
uh, the, to the, road. To the, cab, the road to the cabin. Oh, the pines. yeah. When you were suddenly careful, it's like, oh, be careful. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry them along here. And that was mostly because I felt like I was under a time crunch. Yeah. Um, that, that day and then, yeah. And so uh, I started panicking. I, I kind of, I mean, it worked out. Uh, I, I would have, I didn't have, I didn't plan on you guys fighting Bondo, but that's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah, it because I was like, I have to improvise to force them to go in there. And I probably should have just not had a combat and had just a bog. Just yeah, bog probably. That would have, have been simpler yeah. and it would have saved us an hour, but oh well, <laughs> yeah. it worked out. I think the story actually is better better because Rama showed up. Yeah. Actually. It, okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Because that was I'm, that was the real tipping true. point of it, Nancy it, it ended, You're right. It ended up being a major tipping point for Nancy. And so that I, it ended up serving them. It is it, it is one of those it, it's I guess it's one of those happy accidents. It is yeah. it is frightening when you realize how many accidents make a good game. <laughs> um, I, I think this is a good transition point there um, mm -hmm. to go into some of the questions you have. Yeah. Because one was physically about Nessie leaving the house, I believe. Yeah, we, so uh, this is, uh, I, have, I have several questions from uh, listener John, I'm going to butcher your name, uh, Munir or Munier, I don't know. Uh, Just say John. John. Thank you, John. Uh, so this is, I'm going to start with, I'm not going these in any particular chronological order. Yeah. So the first question, I have three questions here from uh, listener John. Uh, and I'll do the one reference uh, here. His question, um, how close to blows did it come when Nessie refused to shut the door in Max's house? Mm. Um, what, what oh, yeah, I have is, that's you guys. Uh, uh. <laughs> does, does he mean close to blows between their characters or our players? That's what uh, I'm really I wondering. I would interpret that question however you want. I, I, I would. Uh, I did listen to it, and like, I mean, I was there, and I also listened to it. The tension is palpable in both situations. <laughs> I did have a sense that Court was like, Court well, was also like very like what frustrated <laughs> as a player. What but I, his character was also what I remember from the session after we've talked about it a little bit before mm -hmm. we started recording. What I remember is it being so ludicrously obvious that outside is death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but more more of the problem was I have no idea how to stop Nessie. That was <laughs> that was any tension you hear in that was me struggling to figure out a way to stop an unstoppable force. <laughs> That's all. That, that was the whole thing. Um, <laughs> one thing our, our listeners probably don't know, um, Court and I are friends from long ago. Uh, we met in high school in 2000, and we have been excellent, amazing friends since. So, so to ask us... 10 years or something? It's 15 now. We're in 2015. We met in 2000. Oh. I can't count, by the way. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, doesn't do math. No. no. But yeah, we, we've known each other forever, and um, we are the best of friends. So if you're asking if Court and I were going to come up blows because of that, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I... I actually didn't realize how funny that sounded until you said that. Okay. Um, if, if our characters, if you're asking if our characters were going to come to blow, 
there was probably a possibility that that could have happened. If, if Alan hadn't said, um, I think he said, like, Nessie, save us. I think that's what he said. If, if Port hadn't had Alan say that, Nessie would have left. And, she, and at that point in my mind, Nessie was very angry at the world. Um, she was dealing with that part of, um, of loss, I guess. She was at that angry part of loss. And um, if, if we hadn't have had those raccoon monsters there threatening everyone in the house, if it had just been Nessie leaving and fending for herself... Against the owls? Against the owls and mm-hmm. Dr. Hart. Yeah. If that had been the case, and if Alan had tried to stop her when that was the only threat... She might have gotten physical at that point. Oh. Um, she might have pushed him or hit him or something um, if he had tried to stand in the way. But the fact that there was a threat immediately inside the house mm-hmm. where it was supposed to be safe. Yeah, that the only thing, the only way I could stop you was forcing you to use one of your aspects. Yes, yeah, help always help always a help a friend in need. I'm like. It's all I got. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, nothing will work. And, and um, so if you're, if you're asking about if our characters were close to blow, I would say yes. Our characters were very close to blow. Well, I'd say Nessie was. Alan probably oh, was. okay. <laughs> so Nessie was. Um, I, don't, yeah, if, I don't think Alan could hit Nessie. No? No, I don't, I don't think he could. But yeah, if you're asking if Court and I were, no, we were not. I um, think Alan, throughout the whole thing, was... was Pretty obviously a pacifist, hmm. or he didn't like violence. Yeah. So I mean, like that was why, like in every combat scenario, he would be like, "Knock away the gun." Yeah. Stop the gun. And tell us to run. I didn't notice that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Every. That's amazing. Oh really? You didn't notice? <laughs> like no, but I see it now that you point it out. Like yeah. wow. Yeah, you're me right. too. He, he was. I see it. That's really an excellent bit of. <laughs> That's an excellent bit of like subtle role playing, like that. Wow, that opens there, up the whole character. There, there, there might have been a point where I screwed up, but um, uh, that was basically the idea for Alan in all combats and conflicts was that he he thinks that that violence is wrong. Yeah, yeah. also very messy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, it ruins your clothes. You get yeah. juices on everything. <laughs> ah. You get a sweaty. Why would you do that? Yeah, that's right. You always <laughs> place aspects on things. Yeah. That's excellent. Uh, which is, that, that's great, because that's like a really like legit way to use the system. Yeah. yeah. Because you're, you were a helper character. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's why he was trying to stop Nessie, because he knew that what she was doing was going to get her screwed yeah. up. Yeah. Um, Terrell's not here, but I asked him this question before he did leave. Did Terrell get frustrated that Max had a hard time doing things in the combat sequences. This was another question from John? Yes. Ah. Uh, he asked a lot of questions. Well, so the great. answer is... John, you're awesome. So the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. But uh, Max is a kid, and, and so he was at peace with that. He was okay with like He's like, kids are... <laughs> well, yeah, leap-ups. Leap-ups? Uh, <laughs> kids screw up all the time. Uh, so he was a piece of that. He was fine, uh, and he, I have to say, he he went with it. He, he rolled with all all the punches and misses all at once. Yeah. Uh, especially for a character that I just piled on. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do kind of feel a little bad it, for piling on the punishment for him. But he did it with such gusto. No, he uh, he still and 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 he had fun yeah. fun with failure. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, which is such a rarity sometimes. It's so hard for some people to wrap their minds around mm -hmm. it being fun to fail in a, yeah. in, a, in a in a game like this. Yeah. Like uh, I I learned a long time ago by accident that failing is the most fun thing in the, especially, especially if the GM wants your character to stay alive. <laughs> so, so what ended up happening to me was I was playing a character named uh, Lurk who is based on um, uh, Snake Plissken, Snake Plissken uh, or uh, Metal Gear Solid Snake. So same he would, person. He would always, he's same person, except mine was wackier. Um, yeah. But, but basically, uh, about halfway through, I was so sick of playing him Every gaming session, I would try to get him killed. <laughs> but like, but the funny thing was is that through that intentional sabotaging of my own character through roleplay and dice rolls, by the way, I was cheating on my dice rolls. Like, oh no, I rolled a one. Shoot. Um, <laughs> Uh, Kurt is the only person I've ever heard do this, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. That's <laughs> why we came with um, But uh, at the end of every gaming session, I, would have, I, I, I re fell in love with his character every time because the things that happened to him made him more interesting as a, as a lunatic. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's really hard to explain that failure can be fun. Yeah. Um, so maybe just reference this part of the podcast, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it might also have something to do with the GMs and how they roll with it. Yeah. 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 I always try to thing. do. Yeah. It's hard. It's so hard sometimes. I always try to do yes and. Yes yeah. and, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, you failed. All right. What's the interesting thing that happens? Yeah. Or you have like a, so much opportunity to be like, oh, failure. That means things get more intense. Yeah, yeah. That means the tension spikes up, and that's the whole point. That's drama. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, next question, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a really as, long question. It's for everybody. As a GM and players, what did you find great and challenging? Uh, knowing how damage works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, that was that is a very good point. Yeah, the uh, image was confusing. So yeah, was, I was a little bit. Yeah. I was a little confused about exactly how that worked out. Yeah, as I, I didn't. I didn't realize for the longest time that when you said take two stress, you literally meant the two box. Yeah. yeah. No, and then I, when I figured it out, I thought I, I like I started like looking at other people when they're doing it. Like, oh, oh, Eric. Eric, I've seen, oh, I know the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not as dead as you think. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, that's on me. I just, you know, I thought I explained, it's one of those things. It's like an interesting rule that is not, we're not native to think about that since we're so used to ticking off, like, yeah. hit check points. boxes, yeah. Yeah. hit points. And instead of hit points, they're hit boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And their value is one, two, three. Or and if the consequences up to you know two four six yeah right that's that's how much damage it sucked yeah 
It's like yeah. a sponge. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. <laughs> People are damaged the sponge. The, spon yeah. the, the sponge can hold this much. Mm -hmm. It can only take so much. So um, much punishment. So yeah, I think that was the hardest thing I had mechanically with the system. Mm -hmm. The hardest and funnest thing for me was the, uh, the aspects and the other stuff. Like, yeah. The, the way that works, coming up with the right phrase. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Really it's also it's helpful. A great it's it's exercise hard in writing. It actually just leads right into Nessie's main aspect. Too stupid to be afraid. Yeah. It was the greatest and the worst aspect <laughs> for everyone. For Nessie, for the group, and especially for Will, as you demonstrated earlier when you mentioned the uh, house thing. Um, but, but on that same thing, well, that's how um, it's supposed to work. Her. For trouble, um, I think we I think we all kind of figured out pretty early on that being a total outcast yeah. was not a good trouble to have. Not yeah, not because it limits yeah. everything so much. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the problem with that one was it was it was good if we were spending more time in the school. Yeah, and it was more of that, but it ended up being like way more like exploration and adventure kind of stuff. Yeah, and so that that aspect really fell by the wayside. But I mean that's I. And, and that's one of the challenges. Is kind of yeah. The right aspect. But fortunately, like I'm, I'm, I'm the devil's chief, <laughs> uh, which is what you're supposed to be when you play fate. Yeah. And if a person says this isn't working, what can we do to change this? And you say, okay, let's change it. And those are the times when you change. There are two times to change aspects. If it's not working, or the setting, if that aspect isn't working for the player, and if uh, something dramatic happens that changes the way the nature of the character. Those are the times. Yeah, and you know, it's all it's one of the things. Like you're never all, you're not always gonna get it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, but it's a forgiving time we play this. We're gonna understand it a lot more. Oh yeah, we're gonna come up with a lot better aspects and, and yeah. And I want I, I don't want to run the next big game. I want. To oh play. yeah, I will. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want to play it so badly. I am going. Oh man! I'm really excited for whatever you guys choose out of the ideas I, I presented. To, I am going to just aspect <laughs> the crap out of everything. I'm going to build so much. I am going to build so many death traps. It's going to be great. Um, there was some slight talk. This is this was purely a spitballing between the final episode and when we started this interview. Mm -hmm. um, there was some brief talk that. Maybe changing Void Ocean over to Fate? Maybe, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's definitely not a definite thing. But if, if We you, would like your guys' opinion. Yeah, if, if any of you have an opinion on that. If three of you say, do it, we might do it. Yeah. Because that's yeah. literally yeah. what we expect. Maybe I'll put a poll up, and if anybody votes on it, we'll see. Um, <laughs> from what Will says, it's pretty. it would be pretty simple to swap it over. From my aspect, I'm very, very, very story-oriented. Um, so changing it to a different system isn't isn't the end of the world uh, for me. I've never really done that before mid-game, but uh, I don't think it would be too terribly hard to do that. Yeah, it'll be awkward, but we can. Uh, uh, yeah, it'd be awkward, but we can do it. Um, that now, while I am a story-driven person, I love the front trip games too. I thrive on that. Mm -hmm. Leveling characters in Pathfinder, oh my god, I love that. Uh, if anyone's played the hero system, <laughs> oh man. If people were so afraid of that, that's all I would play because I love the technicalities. It's not of that a system. fear. It's not fear that keeps me back. It's the bureaucracy. It is the. It is the. It is the 
per point bureaucracy. Yeah. Oh, we would, we would probably want to use sixth edition also because yeah, fifth edition is so <laughs> broken in the speed department. Yeah. Um, while in fate, I do love. I, I love the freedom that fate gives you. I, I love that aspect that you can take this thing um, like too stupid to be afraid and I can use it in so many different situations. And I have Monster Slayer, which I can use in so many different situations. I love the freedom that fate grants you in that way. There are actually a few things that I think even fate is a little constrictive on. Because mm -hmm. personally, I think somebody should be able to use perspective to dodge a punch because they see coming, things like that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, there is a way to do that. You just have to add. Like, that's one of the things of the system is that, like, that's. It, it, it ultimately, like, that was just something that was partly me saying, no, I'm kind of going to go by the fake core rule yeah. that's written because it's the first time, so we need to have yeah, a yeah. basis. But it is one of those things where, if depending on the group and what you play, like, that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable, like, argument. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I see it coming. But well, totally reasonable argument. I do love that fluidity. Uh, fluidity of fate. I, mm -hmm. I really do, but there's also a side of me where um, with the hero system, um, for anyone who's not familiar with it, um, it's a universal role-playing system um, where you can make whatever you want, really. It's like GURPS. It's like GURPS. Um, <laughs> but you have a point system and you can create your own powers and abilities and in any way, shape, or form that you can. And part of me loves constructing a very specific power to be able to do things, which would, in fate, you really can't do anything like that. Yeah. You, have, you have such a small pool yeah, of things, you, yeah. that, that one aspect has to be able to apply to multiple things. Mm -hmm. um, but Court uh, runs some of the best hero system games that I've been in. Of course, I haven't been in too many. Um, I think only been hero system games that I've run. No, no uh, uh, my friend Paul has run one too, oh, and, and I've run a hero system game myself. Right, right, right. Um, but like, I have an idea for the next hero in one of his games where it's, um, I think it would be really cool to play as a big beefy tank guy who can't move at all. But, but like, he's really slow, he's got a really slow speed, he's got a really uh, small run, but he has this telekinetic pull that he can just pull everybody like into him so that he can <laughs> beat them, so he doesn't have to run up to some guy and beat him. And I think I think that's a really cool thing. And I don't think I don't think you would have that specific of a power in fate. You could have that kind of a theme. Yeah. But but to have that very one specific power, yeah. I think that's really cool. But that's why that's why the hero system is so I mean it, it's it's very specific. Yeah. And everything there's I mean the book is like Five hundred pages. It's like a, it's like old school phone book. It's thickness. Yeah, yeah. I say it's like Legion of Superheroes. If you're familiar with Legion of Superheroes, because they have every power and they're all super specific. Yeah, this because that's where you get Bouncing Boy. You can mix um, and match them and yeah. all that fun stuff. And Fate is like, you know, justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's one way of putting or it. Or Batman. Just yeah. Batman. Just Batman. <laughs> But yeah, I, I love that aspect of the hero system. Um, I've made so many specific characters, and I love trying to figure out how to make these powers in that system and all that kind of stuff. So I love both sides of it. Just don't um, ask about time travel. 
<laughs> we we got to do an episode on that sometime. Oh well, uh, not just we we are very experienced with time travel. We've done a lot of time travel. Yeah, yes. we broke time travel. No, no, we. I think we did pretty well. We did every time. <laughs> it just broke us. Yes. Let let us know if you want to hear more about Hero System or time travel. Yes. In like at least three different role playing systems. I think we did it in Heroes. We've done it in in D and D, Pathfinder D and D, and three point five. Yeah, three point five. There's got to be another one. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it always I'm comes up for one of them. Ah. But yeah, I, I really do like the fluidity that fate can do. I just miss that crunch of making a character. Yeah, personally. Uh, do you have any other thoughts, Court, on like? Great things and, and challenges. Oh yeah, with uh, with uh, fate. Fate. As I mean, we, we mentioned this earlier. I think you did a great job because you focused on. I was a little an aspect, um, on aspect creator and yeah, and all that stuff, which is like that's it was different. You embraced the me. idea of yeah. the game, which is it's a teamwork game. Mm-hmm. It's not a game where everybody goes what. Where D D, where everyone's like, let's do as much damage. As I as actually kind of fell into that. I didn't plan. Yeah, that. that was actually a little bit interesting. Was <laughs> was was falling into that that mode of play <laughs> instead of planning on that mode of play because <laughs> I can default to kind of a weird wacky characters. Yeah, like ninety percent of the time. <laughs> yes, but Alan is super super serious and like beep boop. I'm a robot. You know, <laughs> not like. I'm a robot! You know, like, it's, it could have been weird. <laughs> you could have been a lot more weird than you were. Yeah. Like, Weird Al, the child robot. Like, that, <laughs> like, you could do all sorts of stupid stuff. And I am not very, I am very prone to doing <laughs> stupid stuff yes. uh, with my characters. Mm-hmm. Listen back to when we talked about Lurk just a little bit. <laughs> So, so, any mechanics that you had an issue with or that you liked? Uh, mechanics that I had an issue with? Well, I mean, it was hard to keep track of, of you know, what aspects were on who and when they were yeah. available and yeah. when they were used. That's, that's and, a, yeah, that's a challenge. It's like, <laughs> I, I avoided it a little bit yeah. by making my own and letting other people use them and just keeping track of what I made. Um, yeah, and I, as the GM, tried, that's, that's one of the things, me as GM, I tried to keep track of. That's what the post-it notes were super helpful, by yeah. the way. And like mentioning, like, okay, this set, this aspect's on that. And like reminding when you start, I yeah. try to like do that as much that as possible. That helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but that, and, I mean, and that was my job. It's the first time, as like teaching first time. I wouldn't say there was anything I was particularly mad or angry or anything. Okay. Uh, I'd say every, like, I kind of expected most of the things we ran into, except for the health system that we talked yeah. about. Yeah. I did okay. not expect that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You got the next question. Um, uh, you got one more question from John. All right. Um, and I'll have to try to answer this. It's it's kind of a it's it's more directed to me. Do you think the game would have played out substantially different if you had rolled fewer skill checks? I thought while listening to some episodes that reflexes from other game systems were driving calls for dice rolls at times, rather than dice roll dice at times. Could you have set up the situation and asked the players? How they think it would work out. Granted, in combat you want dice, but it felt at times like the collaborative storytelling piece could have been played out more by keeping dice out. I'm curious what you all think of that question observation. Don't confuse it for a slam. I have enjoyed the characters and and the war you created together. Um, Can I say one thing on that? Yeah. 
when I play a character, um, I'll, I'll give this as an example. A lot of times when I'm running a game, I have an NPC that sticks around with the group. Um, I feel it, it gives me a character in the game to play as on a consistent basis to give me a solid piece of the world. Um, but I can also use it at times to help move the plot. But a lot of those times, if the players are sitting there and they're not grasping what I'm doing in the game, and I'm like, they don't, they just don't get this. I, I didn't explain it well enough, or they're too stupid to understand or something. Um, I will sit there and I'll, I'll like roll an intelligence check to try and figure out if this character I'm playing is smart enough or in the right moment to be able to bring up a, a certain point. Um, I kind of did that when I was drunk with Nessie, where I'm like, okay, give me, you, you gotta give me a roll right now, Will, to let me not have Nessie do this thing. Because that, that's, that's part of my way of separating um, metagaming, um, which is using outside real world knowledge inside of the game. Um, that's part of my way of doing that, is if I don't know 100% certain if my character would react a certain way, if I'm kind of on the edge and I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this because I want to, or if this is my character would really do it, I'll sometimes roll a check like that, just just for myself. It's not really in any game mechanics, but it's my own mechanic that I built to help me as a player. Um, so um, some of those things um, that John was asking, yeah, in phase we probably could have skipped some of those things. Yeah, no, it's, it, it was a, like that, that question like, Ooh, hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, he's right. There was probably several moments I could have just, and I actually tried to do that in like our last session here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it worked out pretty well. Um, and I, it was, it was something that I. I uh, is, is that when you were saying you just give me a fate point to, and then tell me what happened? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, like that. It, it has a mechanic built in for that kind of thing for the player saying, "I'm GM now for two, you know, for one minute." Uh, and I say what happens. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. I wanted, but I wanted like a mechanical yeah. fixture for it. And I think in, whenever I run for the future fake game, we're going to try to do that. Yeah. But, I, yeah. yeah Rolling dice cool. is, you know, it's, it's comfort. It's a, it's, a, it's a good fallback point. Uh, but he has a great art. He has a great point. And it, I don't know what I, when those points are, but uh, I, I really like to say. Yeah. Um, well, until I heard yeah, him say it, I didn't notice. <laughs> because I'm so used to rolling for yeah. everything. Yeah, right? Like, I've, I've never played Fate before this, so I was like, I'm roll the dice, that's what I do. You know? <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. You roll for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as, like, I mean, things, I guess, like, mechanically, like, I, I, I want to run some, like, you know, short one-shots eventually. <laughs> I need a break, people. I've been sitting with that for like five months, four months. I don't know. I've been sitting with that ending for a while, and it's been fantastic releasing. That, that, that is a great point to make, is that GMs or GMs are very different. I am currently, I'm running Terrell's game. Uh, I'm planning Void Ocean stuff. And I'm planning a small side group to run with Will and Cork, since we all live in the same building, just randomly. I, I'm actively doing three games. And I'll, also, I'm trying to create my own gaming system, too. 
um, which we'll get into further down the line, and I'll tell you guys all about it um, once I feel that it's ironed out enough to put out there for it's very baity. Yeah, um, PT. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I thrive on this, which is why I wanted to make this podcast. Is because I want to do this all the time. I want to be running games like every day of the week. That's how much I love doing this. Um, but you have other you have people who understandably <laughs> would be like, okay, I, I want to do this a little bit and then, and then take a break. Yeah. Um, um, and and I'm, still, I'm planning other time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, planning. I need a little bit of. If a you don't know yeah. Will, he's an idea machine. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind. Of, yeah. No. But if, if you are a DM and you're like, oh man, I, I've been running this game for like two months straight every one day a week, and that's too much for me. Don't feel bad about that. Yeah. That that is totally okay to feel that way and to be, hey guys, can somebody else DM for a little bit because I'm yeah. getting kind of worn out. Yeah. Um, and, and and another thing, like, I'm actually, like, I just have never in my life been able to ever, like, end up running, like, one of those games that lasts, like, a whole year. I've gotten close, I guess. But, and as the more I've, like, gamed, the more I've desired, like, I want shorter games. Yeah. And that's what I, I tend to, like, design in my head. I have been one. I want to get from here to here, and maybe this, or, or a pausing point. So like, this is season one of my, you know, of my role-playing game <laughs> TV series. This is season two. <laughs> yeah. Like I have an Eclipse game, Eclipse phase game in my head that's ba- that I have like separated into seasons. If yeah. you want us to talk about Eclipse phase, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we love that game. Yeah. Um, I'm still unclear on properly myself. Then we shall make it clear. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I just wanted to make that that point abundantly clear to everybody. Everybody has a different way of gaming. Everybody has different points of breaking or not breaking or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a billion and, trillion systems that you Yeah. Have. Yeah. And so ne- never feel wrong about the way that you personally want to play. You might have to find people who enjoy playing that same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, as I've heard so many other influential gamers say, if you're having fun, then you're doing it right. Yep. And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, th- that's what this is about, is you're going to play a game. You're going yeah. to have fun with your friends. And as long as you're enjoying it, good. Yeah. Now, sometimes my way of having fun is dealing with the really dark <laughs> shit <laughs> in this world. Um, yeah. It's cathartic for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. a game like this with something Dark is like that ending. Like, it sits with you a while. Um, Any more questions? Uh, the last, uh, the, there's two questions, but they're basically the same question. Is, All right. What's next? <laughs> oh boy, what's next? Um, did we finish that with John? Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. I, I like to rattle on and forget what the original one was. Um, <laughs> I noticed. What a coincidence. Yeah. Um, I have yours. So, what's next? Um, Void Ocean. Void Ocean. Obviously. Um, I really want to get back into Void Ocean because for me, that game is an epic. Um, it is going to go on for a while. I, I don't know... If we live. Some things might change. We might change the system. Let us know. 
Yeah, let us know. Um, there, there might be some other smaller things as we're still trying to figure out a proper way to get everybody in that group together. Yeah, Skype, um, we, we have Skype yeah. systems in place. You've probably heard an episode with Nate over Skype. Yeah. Um, um, oh, no, wait, no, they haven't heard that. Because they will hear that. They, they will hear it, but they haven't yet. Uh, you'll hear those once we get back into Void Ocean, which I'm, I'm sorry, I rushed those episodes to give you guys a warning. Um, we, we were under a really big time crunch that day. Um, so I tried to push the plot along a little bit more. Kind of like what we'll say. Hey, don't apologize until we get to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't know the the backstory. <laughs> um, yeah. So so yeah, we we want to get back into Void Ocean. Um, definitely. Um, everyone really wants to get back into that. Court has talked about running something. Uh, maybe something with the fate system. Yeah. Uh, he has a couple of ideas. Uh, when we get more around to that, maybe we could toss it out to you guys, and you guys can tell us which one you like the most. Ah, screw there. I had a Fallout game idea. I had a 1920s interstellar space idea. Um, I think Cowboy Bebop, but instead of cowboy themed, it's 1920s Cowboy Bebop was a very cowboy theme. <laughs> it was a. It was attitude. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, um, jazz, jazz space. attitude, yeah, yeah, jazz, jazz space attitude. This is this is a little earlier than jazz. Yeah, it's about yeah, no, 1920s, yeah. exactly the same time. Yes. But you know that flapper. Yeah, flapper, ro- golden space robots. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, my, the the genesis of the idea was literally the Star Trek Enterprise with Chrysler buildings for engines. <laughs> that was literally the image I had in my head uh, for that. And then uh, I also had, uh, what was my other idea? Paranoia. Paranoia. I could run Paranoia. Which isn't fate, actually, now I think about it. (laughs) Um, I've also had the idea of, um, like I said earlier, I'm trying to make my own system. Um, I've wondered about uh, recording those playtest systems and tossing them out there. I think if I do that, they will be bonus episodes um, because they're going to be small, short, like one-shot things to test certain mechanics. And by um, short, you mean like an hour and a half. Yeah, like on episode maybe two. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what's coming up next. Uh, give us your opinion um, on the Facebook, on Twitter, or anything. Let us know um, if there's something specific you guys would love to hear us. When it gets down to it, we could put up a straw poll yeah. if we wanted to. Because it seems like a lot of you who are, who are really getting into our podcast seem to happen through Will running Fate, and Will has really taken to the social media scene, and I think I'm so much for that. I don't know how you say So I don't know if that's, if that's a specific thing, that it's because he is really good at it and he was running the Fate system, um, or if it had anything to do with what you guys specifically want, but let your voices be heard. Uh, get in contact with yeah, us. Yeah, we're easy. Let us know. <laughs> Phone's on me all the time. Yeah. I just can't respond to you probably until lunch of the <laughs> And it's kind of, you know, uh, a gray ethical period of watching children. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's not very gray, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so thanks for listening to this episode of what is it called again? Uh, last call. Last, last call. Last call. All roads tattered. Last. Call. <laughs> <laughs>
of All Roads Tavern, last call, registered trademark. <laughs> Elder Hollow. Not really, actually. All right. But we should be. It's copyright, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, you can contact with us on Google+, or on Facebook. Uh, we got Twitter going, uh, the website, lithmage.com, email, lithmage at gmail.com, uh, Twitter, lithmageLLC.com. Just put a dot com at everything. It's fine. Um, But yeah, uh, make your voices known, um, and we will do our best to appease you. Yeah, appease you. (laughs) You are our gods. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, thank you all for joining us. Remember that all roads lead to all roads tavern. Good night. Good night. has been a Lithmage adventure. For more tales, go to lithmage.com where we forge the fantastic.